Welcome to the Ecom Breakthrough Podcast. Are you ready to unlock the full potential and growth in your business? You've already crossed seven figures in sales, but the challenge is knowing how to take your business to the next level. Join Josh Hadley, an eight-figure e-com business owner and investor, as he interviews highly successful business owners. Get ready, because you're going to learn specific actions you can take today to help your business reach its full potential and leave a lasting impact on the world. Welcome to the Ecom Breakthrough Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Hadley, where I interview the top business leaders in e-commerce. Past guests include Kevin King, Stephen Pope, and Norm Farrar. Today, I'm speaking with Afalabi Oyerikan, the co-founder of Honey Worldwide, and we will be talking a lot about the hacks and tips for how you can save money up and down your product supply chain. This episode is brought to you by Ecom Breakthrough Consulting, where I help seven-figure companies grow to eight figures and beyond. Listen, Afalabi, I started my business back in 2015 and grew it to an eight-figure brand in seven years. But I made a lot of mistakes along the way that made the path of getting to eight figures take a lot longer than it needed to. There were times where I had a lot of self-doubt as a leader. Could I manage and run a multi-million dollar business? Could I manage the cash flow? Could we continue to survive and create a household brand name? I wish I would have had a guide along the way that would have helped me navigate around those obstacles um, and help me get to the next level a little bit quicker. So to our listeners, anybody that's hit similar plateaus or running into obstacles right now, if you want to know the next steps to take your business to, to the next level, then go to ecombreakthrough.com. That's ecom with two M's to learn more. And as a special bonus to my podcast listeners, this month I'm giving away one $10,000 comprehensive business strategy audit session at no cost. All you need to do is email me at josh at ecombreakthrough.com and in your subject line, say strategy audit and then plead your case as to why I should choose you and your business to work with for this month. And if you don't win this month, don't worry, you'll be entered to win for future months to come. But today I am super excited for our conversation. You guys are going to love and absorb a lot of great information of how you're going to become more efficient in your product sourcing, product development. 3PL storage, all of that good stuff. And we've got an expert here to talk about that. I'm excited to introduce you to Afalabi Oyerikan. This is him coming back for a part two series because his first interview went so well. But he is the co-founder of Hanu Worldwide, an innovative product development, sourcing, and 3PL company based in Pennsylvania, USA. Afalabi has always been passionate about finding things, haggling, and negotiating prices. His obsession with finding good quality products at bargain prices led him to help several seven and eight figure brands increase their profits and scale rapidly by buying smart from Asia and the U.S. He is behind the successful launches of several multi-million dollar products on Amazon and other retail channels. An entrepreneur at heart, Off Lobby owns and has sold a few seven figure private label brands. He loves helping people design, develop, and manufacture innovative products. He is also the creator of the Sourcing Mastery Course, which teaches people the best practices for product development, sourcing, and supply chain management. So with that introduction, welcome back to the podcast, Afalabi. Thanks, Josh. I'm happy to be back. I really enjoyed our past uh, episode, and I'm really excited and pumped up you know, to continue on this one. 
Well, I'm super excited to have you back. I know the way we left our last episode was you saying there are so many ways that I know how to help businesses save money up and down the supply chain. And we touched on one of them, right? We talked about the tariff terminator and you gave our listeners an amazing offer. So for our listeners that are just listening to this episode for the first time, go back and find off lobby's first episode learn a little bit more about that uh, tariff terminator that he talked about and the offer that he gave our listeners. Um, but off a lobby, there is so much that goes into sourcing a product, the product development, mm -hmm. the logistics of bringing it here to the U S if you're sourcing it overseas, where you store that product in a three PL <laughs> to ultimately getting to its final destination into the retail customer's hands. Yeah. So off a lobby, You've got so much experience. You're, you've also created a course where you're teaching this to other people. Um, I would love for you to just kind of explain, you know, where talk to us about the beginning of the supply chain all the way to the end. And then we'll dive into each of those segments specifically and your best hacks and tips and best practices for how people can save money. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks. Um, so. I noticed that, especially in the e-com world or Amazon world, you know, the word supply chain is kind of uh, ambiguous and uh, people were like, what is that? It looks like, you know, words that IBM or these big companies will use all the time. But see, bigger companies, they figured it out already for years and they actually have director of supply chain, manager of supply chain, because it's a very big component of their business. and. It could be where businesses are bleeding if you don't take care of that part. Uh, I have a simple, you know, you know, five, fifth grader uh, definition of supply chain. It is just like uh, it is the it's it's the journey or the path your products take to travel from your mind till it gets to becoming a physical product, till it gets manufactured, till it gets shipped, cleared warehoused and ultimately fulfilled to your customer. And then there's another component whereby it's what about the returns? You know, many people don't actually realize that you can actually make money with returns as well, especially on Amazon. So there are all these different points that if we do it the right way, it's going to save us a lot of money. I, I like using my uh, personal, whether good or bad stories in the past, so we were designing these garden signs and, uh, you know, everybody wanted a bigger sign. You know, we, we launched one version and people say, oh, we wish it, were, it was bigger or something. So we were trying to design it as big as possible. But wait a minute. If we go past the 18 inch mark, we're in trouble with Amazon. So we designed it in such a way that it was smaller than 18 inches and all the packaging was also smaller. We use a different packaging. We use a different labeling. So supply chain, saving money across our supply chain uh, uh, requires a lot of thoughtful thinking from the very beginning. You know, I had a guy about three, four years ago, he wanted to compete uh, in a large product market. And I'm like, look, um, this product, the way you're going about this product, you know, you're going to pay a lot of money in shipping and storage and processing this order. 
It's like, what, what do you suggest? I say, look, if I were to sell this product, I would shrink the packaging into half. It's like, that's impossible. This is, this is a six feet long. Pro I say, yeah, let's break it into pieces. Let's chop it up. You know, all the long rods, let's turn it into telescopic rods or chop it in, you know, that you can connect it and, you know, different ways we can pack it. And by the time we were done, this packaging actually was half uh, the size. It's like, oh, my God, it actually is. I said, now let's go into the materials. What kind of materials are you going to use? If you use uh, steel, it's going to be heavy. If you use aluminum, it's lighter. If you use composite, it's lighter. If you use these, it's lighter. So we're talking about the weight, you know, because when you send your product to 3PLs or your warehouse, wherever you're using, they're going to charge you also based on weight. So all these things have to be factored into our product from the very beginning. Instead of being reactive, I think we should be proactive. Yeah, awful lobby. I think you summarized it perfectly. <laughs> and I love your fifth grade explanation of what the supply chain actually is. Here's, I think, one of the important aspects of supply chain. I think it's neglected by most sellers. And as I've spoken to many aggregators or people that acquire Amazon-based businesses or just e-commerce-based businesses, one of the first things that they look at is where are they getting the product from, how much are they paying for it, and what inefficiencies exist within their supply chain because they know most sellers technically are lazy. Yes. Um, they just, they source the product once up front and then they they just keep hitting the repurchase button Correct. and that's it. But to your point, Afalabi, there's a lot of sellers that I've even seen that have product packaging that pushes it just slightly over that 18 inch threshold on Amazon, mm -hmm. which completely changes the game yep. for you. You're now pushed from a standard size object into an oversized object mm -hmm. where your fulfillment fees are essentially triple mm -hmm. that of a standard size product. Correct. Imagine how much money could be saved there if you just shave off an inch or two, right? If you're mm -hmm. right on that 18 inch border. And then like you mentioned, the weight of a product, right? That's a big component of the way, you know, how much you're being charged for freight, mm -hmm. right? Getting that product to a warehouse, right. but then also in the end fulfillment to the customer. So at the end of the day, this is where a lot of the aggregators and people that are acquiring businesses are finding gold mines because yes. they find sellers that have been lazy <laughs> with their supply chain product sourcing efforts. And then all they have to do is spend a few months cleaning that up, changing and redesigning something, and then bam, they have now just added hundreds of thousands of dollars in profit mm -hmm. back to a business, and that's how they're making their money back. So I want to kind of set that foundation for why people need to be paying attention mm -hmm. to what you're going to be sharing today, uh, because it can add hundreds of thousands of dollars into people's bottom line. So Awful Lobby, let's start at the very beginning with kind of that product development, and then we'll kind of dive into sourcing. What hacks, tips, and best practices do you have with product development? So in product development, we talked about the size of your product and the size of your packaging. We, we really need to think it through. And then we move into materials. Then we move into tariff. So if you're, especially if your products are being made in China, you need to realize, uh, and then I, I usually, uh, recently I have a knife project, like a 
someone wants to make knives. And uh, I'm like, okay, give me the specs of these knives. And, you know, give me all the specs. I'm like, okay, do you know that if the knife handle is made of wood, you're going to pay a different tariff from if it's made of some plastic or some composite materials? The customer may not care about what material you use on the handle, but your pocket will care because, <laughs> because the kind of tariff you're going to pay is so different. Mm -hmm. um, another example I had was, uh, I, was uh, I used to source a lot of vinyls uh, and, and magnets uh, some years back. And when the Trump tariff hit, I uh, started looking to find a way to uh, to 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 outsmart that system. So I told my customer, I'm like, wait a minute. I said I found a better quality vinyl from Korea. I've always known Korean vinyls were the best. Mm. I said, but they're more expensive. I said, but let's do let's look at some numbers. They were seven percent more expensive than Chinese made vinyls but they have zero tariff mm. and from china yeah. they had maybe 25 percent. so i'm like look even though china is cheaper by the time you had the 25 percent, korea is now cheaper so even when we're talking about supply chain we need now we need to start talking about the country of production some products um uh, you know i used to sell crafts and some products some of our products were made here in the u.s and we were like, oh, let's go and see if we can find this cheaper in China. Yes, it was cheaper in China. We used to buy it in the U.S. for like 12 bucks. In China, it was like seven bucks. But I'm like, do I want to take the risk of my five stars, you know, uh, yeah. reviews? What if China messes something up? What if? And then I also looked at the time it takes for me to outlay cash. So if I buy it in China, I'm outlaying cash for almost 60 days. But if I buy it in the U.S., the cost, uh, the, my, my, uh, my supplier in the U.S. will ship it for free. And mm -hmm. they will get it done in seven days. And I'll pay with my credit card, which is not going to be due until like 30 days. So I have about 37 days, you know, to actually pay for this thing. And I don't, I'm not paying for shipping. And I have a better quality. So I'm looking at all these little things that we can take a look at to redesign our products. So in terms of product design, we have to look at packaging size. We have to look at uh, the, the uh, you know, the materials you're going to use. We're also going to look at the uh, carton, um, carton label. Uh, there was a, a friend of mine reached out to me uh, July of last year. It's like, look, I think I'm losing money with my 3PL and uh, what do I do? I said, it's okay, start sending your stuff to our 3PL. I want to take a look. When the product arrived, I'm like, no wonder your supplier is having issues. So one of the problems the suppliers were, were having is uh, they will put color blue product into the same box as color red. So they will, or sometimes they put uh, color blue, you know, products into a carton that says color red. It's like, why do you just keep making that mistake? I said, remember these workers 
in a Chinese factory, they don't understand English. You have to communicate to them or with them with images. I said, how about we redesign? We do a very big color label for your boxes. One on the sides that are angled, you know, angled ninety degrees. That means one on this side and one on this side to form an angle degree, angle uh, ninety degree angle. I said, so you put color blue of your product, you put it right on that label in full color. Don't print black and white in full color and write the color blue and write everything. I said, I guarantee you that will solve your problem.、Mm. And he said, "If he said my supplier is not even charging me anything for that, I said they don't charge. It's few cents. Like how much did it cost to print the, you know, eight by eight and a half by eleven sheet of paper? Since then, the supplier stopped making all those mistakes because now they can see visually that oh, blue, this is blue, and this is the blue box. We'll put it in the blue box. It, simple things like that." Without even spending any money, he didn't even spend more any.、Uh, and I asked him, "I'm like, how much are you saving?" I said, "You don't want to know. <laughs> you know. This is a this is a eight figure seller, right? It's like you don't、yeah. want to know how much we're saving." And then it, we got, you know, when we get to that point, from him taking two weeks to ship a product to FBA, now it's taking him about three hours. So his product arrive at our facility. And within three hours from them arriving, it's out. It's Amazing! Like, How do you do it? It's so simple. When we see your product, we see the labels very big and bold. When we're offloading your container, we set them aside. It's so hard for our for our warehouse workers to to make mistakes because this is big and bold labels on your boxes. We can't. It's so hard for us to make any mistake. The same way, your supplier is no longer making mistakes. Your three PL also, you have to help them. Whatever three PL you're using, if you're writing tiny prints on your master carton, you're writing blue and it's so small, or you're using B and it's not so legible. Guess what? They're gonna make mistakes. They're human beings. What? What if、uh, someone, a worker at your three PL, the one you're using? What? What if they're colorblind? <laughs> yeah. What are you gonna do about that, right? So we need to help them. You need to put that in consideration when you're designing every aspect of your product. I love that. All right. <laughs> so to kind of recap here, these are some great examples. When it comes to product development, there's a lot that needs to be taken into consideration: the material, the way that it's going to be packaged.、Mm-hmm. Um. Avalabi, is there any advice or recommendations if somebody's not an engineer, right?、Mm-hmm. They've got this product idea, and they're like, "I don't know." You know, going back to your example of your friend with you know a six foot box, he didn't know that he could get that reduced. Like, what are your recommendations if somebody's like, "I've got this weird box, and I know it's an oversized product right now, but、mm-hmm. how could I get it into a standard size?" Like. Do you have any recommendations or people that you would recommend people reach out to、mm-hmm. in order to help them with that product development so that they make a product that's efficient on their bottom line just as、mm-hmm. much as it is a quality product for the customer? Yes.、Um, first, you're looking for an industrial designer, so you can go to Upwork and go search for industrial designer. You can go to, I think they pronounce it Exometry. Oxometry, Xometry, dot com. You're gonna find a lot of industrial designers. 
on that side, but you really have to help your industrial designers as well because they don't know Amazon standards. So you need to send them that Amazon standard and say, hey, my product is now so big. What can you do to help me? These are the Amazon standards, right? We have, um, we, we were working on a project recently and we had to, uh, it's like a furniture. So we had to redesign it in such a way that the end user will be the one to put it together. Mm, all yeah. this, all these products used to be shipped in a, as whole, it's as a whole product, fully assembled. I'm like, you're going to spend your fortune to do that. Why don't you make it sexy? Why don't you make it Ikea style and say, okay, oh, in just three steps, you know, you can put it together. So we had to redesign everything, but you're looking for an industrial engineer. Uh, don't go for CAD artist. CAD artist is not what you need. A CAD artist would just put your rendering on a, on a 3D designer or whatever, but your industrial engineer would think creatively on how do I solve this problem? How do I do this? How do I do that? And if you go on Upwork, you can find, if you don't find, you can reach out to me. I love it. So off a lobby, your recommendation there um, is make sure you go find an industrial designer, industrial engineer, and mm -hmm. a great resource that you gave everybody is Exometry. Mm -hmm. That is a website that you could go visit. It says, this is where big ideas are built. Um, mm -hmm. So anyways, that's a great resource that we should point people <laughs> towards. So great. All right. We've talked about some tips with product development. Now let's talk about product sourcing because I love what you talked about here mm -hmm. um, about, you know, you went for vinyl products in Korea mm -hmm. because you were now able to avoid the tariff. Mm -hmm. You ended up manufacturing a product in the U.S. Mm -hmm. because, you know, the additional cost of maybe tariffs and importing it, right? Mm -hmm. And the amount of time it takes to, you know, uh, sit on the water yeah, would not more than compensate what it was that you were paying here in the U.S. So as it relates to sourcing, everybody's first thought is, hey, everything's made in China. China's the cheapest. I've got to go source in China. Um, off lobby, is that true? Or are there more places to manufacture your product than China? and give us kind of the lay of the land. <laughs> well, it's, uh, the answer is really, it depends on what you're looking for. Uh, China is still uh, leading, honestly. Uh, there's nothing wrong with China. I think the, the, the reason why people have a bad taste in their mouth about China is because they've dealt with a lot of bad suppliers. Uh, there's nothing wrong with China. And then COVID also uh, kind of gave everybody, every one of us a wake up call when you when all our products are stuck in china we couldn't ship them out you know there was so much you know you know ship high shipping costs and everything like that so china is not the only place to source korea is right there uh, malaysia is right there indonesia is right there i have a really big customer in our 3pl you know all our products are from malaysia very very beautiful wonderful products i mean not a we don't have any issue with that product. The packaging is pristine. Everything is perfect. It's in the big size category. Uh, Malaysia, Indonesia, um, you know, Korea is there. Vietnam is rising. So anytime you want to do wooden products, Vietnam is there. Uh, for the U.S., uh, U.S., when, you, when you're making products that, are, uh, that could be robotic in nature, 
I love the U.S. for that. Interesting. What are these products? You know, there are like DIY, like furniture. If you want to go into premium product where there's not a lot of competition at the moment, big and premium, I would say really, really think about the U.S. Because the U.S., especially when you when it comes to a furniture style product, they just fit it into a CNC machine to cut it. So it's 80%, 70 to 80% robotic, 30% labor. Uh, the, the U.S. is very expensive. Uh, it's more expensive than other places because of the labor rates here. La labor rates of an average warehouse worker is from 30 to 50 bucks an hour. In some cases, 100 bucks an hour. In China, it's a dollar to like four bucks an hour. So you can see the difference. So the product... The, the, the real challenge is in the labor. But if you can make products that are not labor intensive, that's where you're going to start seeing savings in the U.S. And then the U.S. has more and better uh, newly call it innovative materials that are being done, that are being created now, like series of really good composite, really great uh, MDFs. MDF used to have a bad name. Right. Because it's like you look at the side, it's all grainy. It's all falling off. But now I have seen some really cool MDFs, Josh. Josh, I, I mean, I'm like, wow, this 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 is cool stuff that you could actually charge more. It's cheaper than wood, but you can actually charge more for them because they're smoother. You can imitate. You can get an imitation uh, bamboo. You know, bamboo is not grown in the U.S., uh, instead right. maybe some Georgia area, but you could actually have imitation bamboo overlay, like a film overlay on your on your material, and it's going to look like bamboo. If you don't tell anybody, like something you have on the back, keep looking at the back of your wall right there. Yeah. And like that's a really cool uh, a material, and these are all stuff that can be made here in the U.S. So if you're looking into premium product, I met a lady. Her name is Joey. Met her uh, on a cruise recently, and she makes premium product. Her product is like 400 bucks. I'm like, that is the category I am seriously interested in. I don't want right. to be messing around with the smaller categories. I want the bigger categories. And the U.S., Japan, Korea will deliver. Even Canada will deliver on those kind of categories. So China is not the only place. It's time to look other places, it's time to diversify into other products, categories that will make you dominate the market and just kind of be the big fish in the small pond. I love that. Those, <laughs> those are some great strategies and a good lay of the land. So my next question off the lobby would be, all right, I've got my product development down, um, but I do need to go find a supplier. And mm -hmm. I have no idea. Ideally, I would like to keep it in the U.S., right? Mm -hmm. It makes everything that much easier. But again, some of those labor rates are going to be higher. So um, where do people begin if they just have this idea? They've got the product development done. Uh, where do they even begin? They don't have any contacts in China or Korea or mm -hmm. Malaysia. Mm -hmm. Where should somebody begin? If they want to source products, especially in the U.S., um, I, I use Google, honestly. I use LinkedIn. I use Facebook. Sometimes I may use, um, there's this company, I forgot the name. Uh, it used to be uh, Thomas Net, uh, but yeah. I think they've been bought over. And now they're cleaning up a lot. They're getting there. They're not there yet, but they're getting there. They used to be very static. Now I can see a lot of momentum in that 
on that website, they're getting to be dynamic and they, they're updating all their contacts now because all, a lot of the U.S. manufacturers are so old school. You, you talk to them, they don't reply you in like a week. And then you say you want to manufacture like 5,000 units. They're looking at you like you're kidding. How are you going to sell it? They, yep. they, they don't know anything about e-commerce. So we're, you have to pretty much school them have to train them, you have to educate them. It, it's a long process, but at the very end, it would work for you. But uh, so you, you you go to Google, you go search for. So Afalabi on that US um, website, right? To source some products in the US. So uh -huh. thomas.net.com. So don't be confused. It's not thomas.net, it's thomasnet.com. Yes. And what I found interesting is this, y you're correct, it was sold. It now says underneath there, it's an exometry company. So look at this. You're, you get your industrial engineer and designer from exometry, and then you just follow suit, go to Thomas.net, and uh, all kind of part of the same big parent company. So yep, there's, well there's a little hat. Each other now. Yeah, they're very integrated into each other now. Yep, yep, yep. So you go there, and uh, you're going to be able to find a lot of resources there. If you don't, uh, look at Google. Look at uh, another good place is YouTube, believe it or not. So I go to YouTube and I type in, if I want to make uh, wooden products, I'll type in wooden product in the USA factory tour. Because a lot of these companies are doing their factory tours and they're putting it on YouTube. Uh, Interesting. So I, as I'm watching the factory tours, I'm like, hmm. So this company does this. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. I'm looking at the capabilities as I'm looking at the factory tour video. I'm watching for their capabilities. I'm watching for their potential, what they're capable of doing. They might not be making the products I want, but by the type of product I see them do, I can tell if they have the capabilities to do what I want. I'll just tell them this is what I want. And I have an industrial designer draw up the plan. And um, the, the U.S. manufacturers are very, uh, uh, they're very niche in the sense that they want you to have all your designs done. That's the best way to move, to have your products move really fast. If you, if you're starting from concept and you go talk to a U.S. manufacturer, they'll be like, yeah, we, our, our production line is all done, books now. We, we can't really take on another project. But if you say, Hey, here's my design. Here's my material specs. Here's everything ready to go. Just do your CNC, do your stuff and. Uh, you know, I have three months to pick it up. Don't worry. I have three months. They'll be like, oh, okay, we can do that. Right. So those are some of the things I discovered. YouTube is a good resources uh, uh, for watching factory tours, videos for injection molding. If you're doing plastic products, right? Injection molding is very robotic in nature. Uh, just, you know, go to YouTube, watch some cool videos, go to LinkedIn, watch some cool videos about the factory and you will be able to contact them. Interesting. That is a fantastic hack. Now, what about if we're trying to source something overseas? Do you recommend somebody that doesn't have any immediate contacts there? Do you recommend that they go to a broker or, you know, go to a product sourcing company like yourself? You own Hanu Worldwide. Um, is that something you would recommend and why rather than going alone? So uh, it depends on, that was a really good question. question. It depends on this, uh, the skills that they already have 
Uh, sourcing companies or sourcing agents are your insurance policy, pretty much. Uh, because if they source something for you and something goes wrong, then they have to stand in and get your money back for you. Whereas if you go deal with the factories by yourself you and something goes wrong, uh, you're pretty much on your own, but it's a skill you can learn. Uh, I put it down in my newly released uh, Sourcing Mastery course, how the step-by-step -step you should follow. By the time you take that kind of course, you would not need a sourcing agent. Especially if you're a do it, if you're, you know, DIY person, you like to do things by yourself. Uh, there's a guideline that I put there to avoid so that you can avoid fraud, scam. Uh, you can spot scam, spot trouble from afar when dealing with uh, uh, Chinese suppliers. Uh, I will still say, I know you asked a question about platforms. I still like Alibaba better, honestly, because I think they've done a good job in uh, making it safe, safer, they use the word safer, uh, for you to do business with China. Just make sure that when you are ordering your product, you go through the trade assurance, uh, you know, uh, trade assurance uh, insurance, pretty much, uh, to, so that if something goes wrong with your order, uh, Alibaba would repay you for it and reimburse you for it. Makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Are there any sneak peeks that you could give us of kind of the best tips, you know, if you are working directly in terms of how do you make sure you, you know, you're not getting, you know, there's not going to be fraud. They take your money and run. Mm -hmm. Or what are some tips in terms of, I think most importantly, getting the best price possible without sacrificing quality. Um, do you have any tips or sneak peeks uh, that you could give a, give us yeah. from your course, from the course as it relates yeah. to, you know, working directly with the manufacturer. <laughs> yes. One of the great, uh, one of the funniest and uh, uh, interesting things I put on the course is to set up a bidding war with uh, your suppliers. Uh, how I do it is, so when I'm sourcing products, I source product from, let's say five different suppliers. Sometimes it could be up to 10 suppliers and then they give me their pricing. I don't negotiate at the first time. I wait till the end before I negotiate my prices. And then when I get uh, all these prices from the suppliers, then I'll call for a video of, or, or image samples. I'm like, let me see your samples. Do a video or do a photo. I see that, oh, okay. From the 10 suppliers, I might shortlist only five or six. So from the six, I said, okay, can you send me samples? I need physical samples. They say, oh, you got to pay for sample. No problem, I'll pay. So I paid up for sample or pay for the sample shipping. They send me the samples and I take a look at them. And maybe I like only three out of the six people, uh, six suppliers that sent me the samples. So I cut off three. I keep three. So out of the three, I would uh, say something like, hey, without them knowing, see, they don't know that all these three all the suppliers don't know each other and they don't know I'm getting samples from different suppliers. So let's say one comes up at $2. Another one comes up at $1.50. Another one comes up at $1.75. So I know, okay, $1.75 is the middle range. $1.50, I look at the quality of the $1.50 one. I'm like, it's almost the same quality as the $2 one. Okay, that means this product can actually go, with, go for $1.50 or less. Then I look at how can I create a bidding war with these three guys and still get what I want in terms of product quality. I want product quality. So 
I would use two uh, two things. I'll use quantity purchases and I'll use price match. So I'll say to the one, uh, let's say the 175 one has the best uh, quality. I'll say, hey, well, I looked at your product and other suppliers' product. Um, I like your product, but your price is way more than other suppliers. Um, and it's going to come back to me and say, what are they quoting you? Okay. Uh, I'm trying to get to $1.25 for this. And if you can do $1.25, I'll give you a 5,000-piece order right away. I'll choose you if you can beat their prices. So it's going to come back and say, huh, well, um, let me talk to my boss. And then, okay, no problem. And then he talks, says, well, we can only do a dollar forty-five or a dollar whatever. I'm like, okay, that's a good one. I know I can actually buy it at a dollar fifty, right? Because the lower range of my price is a dollar fifty. I'm like, ah, okay, all right, dollar forty-five is fine. I said, but um, so when it gives me a price of a dollar forty-five, I keep quiet. I don't reply him anymore. And it's going to keep blowing up my phone, my email, because he can't wait. He knows it's at the tipping point. It's at the pro at the point is about, I'm about to hand him money because I already showed him money. I'm like, I'm going to order 5,000 unit, but I want it at $1.25. And it comes, it comes back with $1.45. I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, I keep quiet. Okay. And it's going to say, start saying, hello, how are you? Are you there? I'm like, are you there? I'm like, I won't. People ask me, how long do I keep quiet? Sometimes a week <laughs> or more. I just Love don't say anything. Okay. And then it gets to a point, it's getting agitated and it's like, okay, okay. My boss says a hot dollar 35. Then I jump back in. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't reply you earlier to your quote. Um, do you think we can do a dollar 30? Because he's already at the dollar 35. You think we can do a dollar 30? It's like, and I'll, and, so you have to always dangle the carrot. Yeah. You have to always dangle the carrot. Can you do a dollar thirty? Can you do a dollar thirty and I place order tomorrow? They want to know that you're about to pull the trigger. You're about to push the money button. Can you do a dollar thirty and we order tomorrow? It can come back and say, okay, dollar thirty two or whatever it is, because I want him to make money as well. I, I also want to know his breaking point. If it's breaking point to give me the best quality, it's a dollar thirty-five. I'll actually settle for that. I don't mind because I know he's got to pay bills. I know he's wanted, he wants to make money as well. So, and I want to develop relationship with him. That's the most important thing. It's a relationship. You're about to build a beautiful relationship with your supplier. If you build great relationship with your supplier, they will move mountains for you. I I have suppliers that would give me that will send products to me to the tune of half a million dollars and they won't charge me anything. Wow. It's all relationship, relationship, relationship. Know that there are people, they're wonderful people, wherever they are, whether they're in China, India, whatever, look at them that these are wonderful business people. These are wonderful people. These are great partners that I want to have on my team, right? Another thing, another hack I use is if I'm talking to a sales rep, and maybe she's a lady and she has like a, a baby. You know, I'll look at her WeChat profile, right? I said, oh my God, you were traveling. Where did you go? She said, oh, I went to see my family somewhere. I'm like, oh my God, this place is beautiful. Wow, that's nice. Or if she has a baby, I'm like, wow, how old is your baby? She said, oh, she's four months old. I'm like, oh, she's so cute. 
wow, how is parenthood? You know, how are you parenting? Huh? They want to yeah. know that somebody cares about them, especially in the Chinese culture. It's not so like worker boss to worker relationship is not so great. You know, some of these guys are kind of being pressed down all the time. Like they don't, they're, they're nobody, but to find somebody, you know, from our side of the world, actually complimenting them and just being friendly with them and just treating them very nicely. They can do, they can move mountains for you. Like they know the breaking point of that. They know the low ceiling of the, of the product. You don't know, but they know because they're sales yeah. rep, right? So, and then they can go, they can, they can talk to their boss. They know how to talk to their bosses. They know how to get to a point where they will get you to the price you want because they just like you. They just like you. I, I do it all the time and it works. <laughs> I love that. Afalabi, that is a fantastic strategy um, for negotiating prices. So everybody hit the rewind button, pause, and uh, take notes because what Afalabi just shared is very powerful. One follow-up question on that, Afalabi. Do they ever require you to send over, like, the quote from the other competitors, um, right, that you're claiming you're getting other quotes from or have you been able to just kind of state a number and then they work with it What's I, just stated, I just state a number if they require a quote i just copy the area of the quote and send it to them and i don't let them see the name of the supplier okay but most of them just say some sometimes they say oh oh no it's that's too low we can't do it we're so sorry we really want your business but we, we can only go as low as one dollar forty that I have to respect it because I don't want them to make me crappy products, right? So I'll be like, I'll take a dollar forty. That's fine. If this is their lowest, I just want to find out what their lowest point is, right? Yeah, that you can accept, and I'll accept it, and I'll be like, okay, that's fine, no problem. Let's do it. How do you ensure that you also get the best price for your follow up orders, right? So mm -hmm. let's assume you you're placing a five thousand unit order now, but what mm -hmm. happens if you you know? You only need to place a 2,500 unit order next mm -hmm. time. What yes. happens to that price and how do you ensure that you've kind of locked in good pricing for the future reorders? So when I'm doing reorders and I want to drop my order, I would just say something like, well, our next order, we're dividing it into two. We want to do 2,500 first and then we'll do 2,500 later. I, I Sometimes I can give them like a year commitment and say, hey, look, we want to do our first one went really well, but it took us a while to do it. In order to maintain the same price you guys are giving us, we will just divide our orders into quarters. Instead of ordering 5,000 in one shot, we want to divide it in 2,500 or, you know, 1,000, 1,000, 1,000. Now, I found out that the reason why most of these suppliers have high MOQs, you know, for people that don't know what that means, minimum order quantity, the reason why is because they also they also have MOQs from the material suppliers, like for the box maker, the the person that is going to supply them the fabric for your product, the guy that's supplying the PVC board that they're going to use in making your product. They also have MOQs, so they're just transferring these MOQs to you. So in some cases, I can actually come by, and I said I said this in my uh, uh, sourcing mastery course as well. You can just even tell your supplier and say, look, I'm going to order 3,000 packaging. If packaging has MOQ, don't worry. 
Let me pay for the packaging. You guys keep it for me. And as I'm making my products, you can just use the packaging that I already ordered. This way, we will fulfill the packaging suppliers MOQ, and uh, you guys wouldn't get any into any problem, and we just keep our prices. That way, they, they usually would say, okay, all right, we can do that. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> At the end of the day, what I'm hearing off lobby is that as you work with a supplier, you need mm -hmm. to create a relationship with them. You yes. need to form a partnership with them. This is yes. not just a transaction. This mm -hmm. is one of your, just as you see Amazon as a big partner in your business, even though there's not a you know, direct person you're working with at Amazon, um, it's fundamental to your business. Well, likewise, you need to see you know, sourcing your product as the lifeblood of your business. And if, if you don't have that relationship, you're going to be in trouble because you're going to get run over by sellers like Off Lobby that are working with their manufacturers, their suppliers on a personal relationship basis. They can order lower MOQs um, because they're having those conversations like, yeah, this costs 10 cents for that packaging. I'll buy mm -hmm. all of that up front for you. That's fine. I just don't want to buy all 10,000 units Correct. in one shot because now I'm outlaying a lot of capital. Um, I love that off lobby. Anything else you want to add as it relates to working with suppliers? Any other quick tips or hacks to share with the audience? Um, another thing that is so important in your supply chain is your trade terms. Um, so some suppliers will say, oh, pay 50% now and pay the remaining 50% after. Some supplier will say, okay, pay 30% now. So there is price negotiations and there is terms negotiations, um, which both of them can save you a lot of money. The terms negotiation kind of happens uh, organically over months of trust, you know, with your suppliers. I have suppliers that will say, just bring 10% now, you know, and you can pay 30% when you ship and then you can pay the remaining balance when your goods arrive in the U.S. before you clear it or after you clear it, before we release the bill of lading to you, you can pay the final. So it comes back to relationship, but you can negotiate your terms. No term, uh, no trade term is set in stones, honestly. It could be negotiated based on how nice you are, how, you know, relatable you are to your suppliers. They are the factory. They can do so many things that you don't realize they can do. So I would say terms is a big deal because it will help you with your cash flow, right? If you can have a good terms. Uh, and, you know, maybe after a year, a year and a half of working with the same supplier, you can now say, hey, you know, I've been working with you guys now for a while. You know, I saw somebody else, you know, another supplier reach out to us. They want to make it for us for cheaper. Do you think you can give us, you know, now that our uh, our order frequency is stable and our uh, quantity is increasing, can you, can we talk about lower price now? You know, even if it's just 10 cents, right? Yeah. They can say, okay, all right, no problem. We'll work with you. Uh, another thing your supplier can do that I found out, I put it in the course as well, is people ask me all the time, oh, do I use Jungle Scout or Ilium 10 to kind of find new product ideas? I said, shh, you know, one of the best ways to find product ideas, just ask your suppliers. <laughs> I love that. I'm like, just ask them. 
tell them in your categories of all your products, which ones are doing so well? Mm. What are your five best-selling products right now? What are the hottest products? Or what are the newest products you just released without telling anybody else? I'd like to take a look. I'd like to be the first one to take the first dip into this new product. They'll tell you. They'll gladly tell you. You just need a single email or text to your supply and say, I'm looking to source new, I'm looking to launch new products. What are your hot, fresh off the factory, hot, hottest selling products now? They'll yeah. Tell They'll tell you. I love that. <laughs> that is huge. That is a, and another amazing hack that Lobby <laughs> just shared. Rather than going to Jungle Scout and Helium 10 that everybody in the world has access to and is using mm-hmm. right now, for product uh-huh. research, go directly to your supplier and say, hey, which product are you shipping the most of right now that's just mm-hmm. flying like hotcakes? Yep. And let them tell you and then say, holy smokes, like we can do that. Exactly. Create that product. And man, so much easier than uh, <laughs> having to follow everybody else. Or maybe you catch on to a trend faster than uh, everybody else. Correct. I love that. <laughs> off the lobby i know we're running out of time here um but i want to definitely just touch on logistics getting the mm-hmm. product from maybe mm-hmm. it's overseas and mm-hmm. into a 3pl what mm-hmm. are ways that people can save money um mm-hmm. up and down that supply chain of importing a product i think your first the the the, the most savings will come from your tariff uh we talked about it the other time a uh, quick recap, you have to know what tariff code to use when you're bringing your product. If not, you're going you're gonna to be pouring money into the toilet easily. Uh, you have, the supplier will usually give you an HS code, which is not recognizable in the U.S. system. So if you're selling your product in the U.S., you need an HTS code, right? If your supplier and your supplier doesn't know how to get it, that's the problem. So you have to go to uh, 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 U.S. website, uh, I forgot what the website is, just type in uh, tariff code, U.S. tariff code, or just type in HTS code, and you're, go- you're going to see a government website. You can use that, or you can use our tariff terminator service. We have people that are trained to help you find uh, different combinations of uh, tariff codes that you can use, because your tariff code is based on your materials, is based on either your use of the product, uh, uh, you know, and the material you're using, uh, so that's the first one to, to, do, to, to do your savings. The second one is people always try to go to the cheapest shipping carrier. I wouldn't go for the cheapest because we, we see boxes at our 3PL. By the time they show up from China, wherever they're coming from, they're in, they're in pieces. Mm-hmm. And in most cases, nine out of 10 times, it's your shipper. It's your shipper that is messing up your product. Your shipper is messing up your product. They're using all your, or the boxes you're using from your supplier is not a good box. So by the time your products arrive, it's already in pieces. So we, you need to go back to, they can just stop now, rewind and go back to when we were talking about product design because your packaging is going to help you as well. So when you're shipping your products into the US, make sure you use the right tariff code. Make sure you shop around for a very good shipper. And then when it comes to your 3PL, you have to decide, am I shipping a full container or am I shipping pallets? Pallets, yes, it's easy to bring it out and it's cheaper to bring out pallets, but pallets is not the best use of space. Also in the 
in your container. So talk to your 3PL first, get their rates on how they're going, how much are they going to charge you if you floor load your container. Floor load means just you put all your boxes on the, on the floor and just stack it up in your container. Another thing you should bear in mind is when you're sending your container to a 3PL, make sure if you have multiple SKUs, make sure you arrange, you load your container by SKU type. Don't just say, you know, if you have 10 SKUs coming, don't just mix them up in the container. Make sure you do SKU number one first, then SKU number two, and then number three and number four, and just load them up like that. And remember to tell your uh, shipper to put a net to cover your container. If your container is not full, like it's not 100% full, if it's 80% full, make sure they put net to cover because when the container arrives at your 3PL and they open the door, your boxes will just fall off. Mm, but if yeah. there's net covering it, then your boxes stay intact, right? Um, you know, your 3PL will charge you extra if they have to be doing ex excess handling. You don't want them doing excess handling. You want them to get your product out of, of the container really fast and get it out the door to Amazon. I love that. <laughs> Any advice real quick that you would say or recommend for how do you find a good shipper, right? Because mm -hmm. obviously you could say, oh, may, I assume that the person giving me the highest shipping quote is the best. Um, mm -hmm. Any advice for finding or any recommendations with mm -hmm. any shipping logistics or freight forwarding companies? I would say the best is your referral from your friend. Uh, just ask around if you have a mastermind group. Uh, the same thing for 3PL too. Ask around in your mastermind group, ask your friend, ask your colleagues and say, hey, who are you guys using? Are you happy with them? Can you give me their, you know, their connection or give me their contact? Let me contact them because that referral is worth a lot to you. You don't want to go shopping around because everybody's going to tell you, oh, we're a good shipper. We're a good forwarder. We can take care of it. I get tons and tons of emails every day, you know, from shippers. Uh, but I would say it's better to use a shipper that somebody else has used before and they're very happy with it. So talk to your colleagues, talk to your people, the same people you're in the same mastermind group, ask them what they're doing. If you still can't get anything, reach out to us. We'll, we, we, we reach shop for you, you know, just go to Honor Worldwide and just click on freight or something. Uh, but other than that, your referral from your friends and your colleague will be my best way to find a good shipper. I love that. And thus the importance of making sure you're hanging out in the right groups of people, right? Right. Um, joining a mastermind group. And there's so many of those, and we've had many of them on the podcast. Um, Avalabi, this has been amazing. Here are kind of the three takeaways that I've noted from today's episode. There are probably a hundred takeaways, to be honest with you. Um, but th these are going to be my three. Let me know if you think I'm missing something or if there's something we need to add here, Avalabi. So number one is your product development is actually a very crucial step in your product. And if you haven't actually, you know, gone back and maybe taken a second look at your product development, now may be the time to do that. Is yes. there an, is there a way for you to reduce the weight of the product, right? Mm -hmm. Without reducing the quality, can you reduce mm -hmm. the weight? Is there a way that you could better package the product for a multitude of reasons? Can you reduce the product packaging so it fits in one of Amazon's lesser FBA fulfillment tiers? That would be mm -hmm. step number one. Yep. And then secondly, on top of that, would you be able to find a better packaging solution so that when it is being shipped, right, 
it actually mm-hmm. stays intact. It doesn't get damaged because it's got a long journey to end up in that customer's hands. So that would be action item number one. Mm-hmm. Action item number two is creating a solid relationship and partnership with your supplier. And Awful Lobby shared an amazing hack, um, amazing, not, amazing knowledge bomb as it relates to the bidding war strategy with suppliers. So hit the rewind button. I'm not going to walk through that strategy right now, but go back and listen to the bidding war strategy of how you can find that bottom price and get the best possible price for a quality product while also creating a good partnership with your supplier. And then last but not least is importing um, your products. I would kind of say two things. My, my final takeaway here is pay more attention to those payment terms. Um, and mm-hmm. that's probably where I'll leave it on this one is because your cash flow is one of your most important things in a physical products business. You will mm-hmm. live and die by your cash flow. Um, mm-hmm. Cash flow also allows you to invest in new products and to be able to continue to release new products quicker. So if you can get payment terms like Off Lobby talked about, somebody's willing to send you half a million dollars worth of, of products and not charge you for it until it hits Amazon, that can be a game-changing situation for you and your business. But that is the type of payment terms that are created if you have a good partnership first <laughs> with your supplier and you've created that over a period of time and have built up that trust. Awful Lobby, is there anything else you would add here as a good takeaway for our listeners that I haven't mentioned? Um, you, um, everything is perfect. Uh, inventory management is also a major thing that um, I found out that it's almost like number two or number three reasons why brands fail is because they run out of stock a lot. Uh, even some you know, company that I sold a brand to, you know, and I'm, I'm watching and I'm like, wow, why didn't they order now? You know, they don't know the production timeline. They don't go by the production timeline. You're supposed to order, you know, 90 days or whatever days before you actually need that product in stock. So production uh, inventory management is, is, is could break anybody because the moment you the moment you run out of stock amazon kind of punish you uh they will punish you because your ranking will drop you have to re-rank you have to do this you have to do so many things just to get your products back in stock so inventory management will be a big deal and so stocked is one of the uh, tools that i use they do a good job with it awesome completely <laughs> agree awful lobby you've shared so much knowledge with us today in part one episode, you already shared your favorite book, um, your software tools, and and people that you would recommend other sellers follow. So the one question I'm going to ask you is, how are you using ChatGPT to assist you with it, anything in your supply chain management right now? <laughs> yes, ChatGPT has been uh, going all crazy. So I like to play with it like a little kid. I'm like, let me see what he will say if I tell him to do this. So when we started building our new 3PL facility that it's that we just recently uh, launched, um, I just I, I just put in the chat GPT. I'm like, find me the five best you know uh, construction materials suppliers in China, and I was impressed. You know, it just listed me a whole bunch of you know 
sourcing companies or uh, uh, material suppliers that specialize in the kind of products I was looking for to buy for the warehouse. And I'm like, wow, this is genius. I don't have to, I know people are worried about copyrights and stuff like that, but in this kind of situation that I use it for, copyrights don't really matter because I just want information. And sometimes also I was dabbling into uh, when I wanted to write uh, some, uh, we wanted to write some blogs for the, for our website. I'm like, let me see what it's going to do. Let me see what it's going to come up with. If I give him the key bullet points, I'm like, so I said, write me one paragraph on sourcing mastery and use these bullet points. And I kind of gave him the bullet points. I'm like, oh my God, wow. <laughs> he actually wrote the paragraph. He wrote I the whole chapter. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, so it's really cool. Now I'm using it on Bing. I go to the Bing uh, uh, search engine and I, and I type in what I want. Tell me what's going on here. And, you know, and then it spits it out. I love it. Love it. <laughs> Those are some great ways to use chat TPT and millions <laughs> of others, um, which is great. Awful Lobby, thank you so much for your time. Before we wrap up, where can people go to reach out to you if they need assistance with, you know, the tariff terminator or even sourcing their product or utilizing a 3PL? Those are all services that you provide. Where can mm -hmm. people reach out to you? Or if they want to go through your sourcing mastery course, where can people go? So for our sourcing mastery course, you go to sourcingmastery.com. That's S-O-U-R-C. I-N-G-M-A-S-T-E-R-Y.com. Uh, for other services, uh, it will be honorworldwide.com. And if you're trying to, um, you know, if you want me to guide you or you want to consult with me to for your product design or to want to overall your entire uh, product development or supply chain, uh, you know, you can reach out to me there too on, you know, Honor Worldwide. And uh, or send me an email afalabi at honorworldwide.com. I'll be happy to help in whichever way. If you, even if you just want to, you know, brainstorm with me or whatever, I'll be happy to to help you out. Awesome, Afalabi, you are definitely an expert in this supply chain space, and I encourage our followers to go pay attention to everything that you put out because you've dropped a lot of knowledge on us today. <laughs> so thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, Josh. It's always. I'm always happy to join the show and have a great time. Thank you so much for having me here. It's an honor to be here. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for listening. Visit ecombreakthrough.com for more information. If you've enjoyed today's episode, the best way you can show your appreciation is by clicking the subscribe button and quickly leaving a review. See you again next time.